West Brom never do things easy, do they? If they did, it'd be boring, wouldn't it? The Sunderland defeat has dented the playoff chances, but with three to play, it remains in their hands. We'll discuss the big week for the Baggies and answer all your questions on this week's Baggies broadcast. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Baggies broadcast with me, Johnny Jury, and as always, Albion's correspondent for the Express and Start, Lewis Cox. Coxie, how are you doing? Still reeling over Sunday. <laughs> Pretty well, mate. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm trying to recover. We've got we've got another big one, haven't we, in a day and a half. So focus shifts. How are you, mate? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. We're gonna bring you a bit of a different uh different setup this week, Baggies fans. We were sort of debating with our busy schedules when to do the Baggies broadcast, but we thought, you know what, we'll split it into. We're gonna bring you two 30-minute baggies broadcast this week, given what happened on Sunday and given the fact we've got a huge game on Wednesday night at Bramall Lane. So we're going to record one today and we'll be recording one as well Thursday to discuss uh, that game at Bramall Lane. So hopefully it goes in Albion's favour and it'll be an upbeat podcast, but we'll, uh, we'll that remains to be seen. So you've got a double serving of me and Coxie this week. And on this shortened episode, we're going to talk Sunderland and then we're going to answer your questions shortly. We've got a few good ones from the baggies fans. Um, but in terms of talking Sunderland, Coxie, you know, we're all disappointed. We know the sort of ramifications of it. Albion have sort of, they could have, if they'd have won on Sunday, it would have left them needing a win on on, uh, on Wednesday to, to maybe secure the playoff place by Saturday. But that obviously didn't happen. Um, but I'm just going to bring up a couple of talking points. One was one big one was the substitutions. Now, um, Carlos Corbran didn't make a change until I think it was maybe the 85th or 86th minute, something like that. Might have been a couple of minutes earlier. Uh, I think Mark Albrighton came on for Carl and Grant. Um, fans have been sort of giving their take. Obviously, everyone's a pundit, you know, on, on these types of things and debating whether Carlos should have made substitutions earlier. I think we're all pretty well much in that camp that we're sort of surprised that he didn't make changes earlier. What's your take on it, Coxie? Because, you know, it's not something he he doesn't leave it late to roll the dice a lot of the time, but but he did in this one. No, um, yeah, interesting one. He typically, well, for the majority of his time at Albion, they've been early, haven't they? They've been 55 minutes. That's if a goal's needed, you know, something's needed to change in the game. It's worth saying, which obviously it was, I suppose, from from uh, Sunderland's equaliser the other day, wasn't it? From about the 50th minute, Albion needed another goal. So, uh, you know, the head coach explained it to us after the game in that he was content with what, what he saw. From how his players were working, be that the way that he saw they pressed, the energy they were using. I, I, I think. I mean, this all harps back to the squad uh, that he, that he has to use. And if if he thought um, he turned around and saw genuine game changers who could go and nick him the goal, then I think it would have happened. Or go and change the influence of the game, then it would have happened. I think you know, me personally, I'd have bought on Taylor Gardner Hickman earlier. Um, thought he obviously did really well at Blackpool. You know, not just the goal from the bench, but all round display. And and what what did uh, Garden Hitman get? About five minutes plus stoppages in the end. And he sent two shots whistling just wide, didn't he? You wonder, you know, maybe with that bit of energy and yeah, just <laughs> willingness to have a go at goal even from distance, it, it might have it might have led to something even before Sunderland got their second. So I'd have bought him on for his energy. You know, you, you add that in with the fact that, to that, um, you know, Akai Yukushlu on his on his return clearly wasn't 100%, you know, quite a bit below that, really. Um, obviously, here in Malumbi, we're walking a yellow card tightrope. Yukushlu was was late to a few um, challenges and stuff. You know, understandable just 
you know, back from an ankle problem that was that was quite significant in the end. And no surprise to see he wasn't hundred percent, but good to see him in the side. But there's there was there was scope to bring on Garden Hickman earlier, I think. And and that's the change most I think in the stadium would have wanted to see beyond that, Johnny. I mean, you know, all Brighton, Rogic. Yeah, they, they came on eventually. And they're, they're attack-minded players that should be able to create and score in this division. But, you know, the, the bottom line is we haven't seen it, have we? We haven't seen it. And, yeah, for, from that perspective, is it that much of a surprise that, that Corbyn didn't didn't turn around to them until very late? Not not really for me. Um, like I said at the top, if 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 he thought he had somebody that, that could come on and, and change the game, you know, dramatically, then I think he'd have done it. It's it's different, isn't it? But, you know, when when the DK's fit and you've got one striker starting, one on the bench in Thomas Sante, you can make that change and it's effective. It's going to make a difference. Even if it's Carlin Grant maybe on the bench, obviously he started recently, he can come on and maybe add a goal threat, um, Grant. But I, I I don't see it with, you know, the aforementioned Albrighton and, and Rogic. Yes, I'd have liked to have seen TGH on earlier, but yeah, played out the way it played out, didn't it? It did. I've got a very interesting point I want to make to um, on Taylor Gardner Hickman and, and Oke Kushlu. We've got a couple of questions on this, but so Oke was selected. You know, Albion teased the uh, the picture in the in the dressing room of his shirt, and we all sort of started debating whether he was going to play. Uh, just, just want to give a shout out to Louis Bent, who's a friend of the pod, who posted on Twitter before the game that said um, Oke Kushlu had sort of posted a match day graphic for the first time since Millwall on his Twitter page before the game. You know, Detective Inspector Bent sort of reading into that one, and he was right. Um, but in terms of his selection now, I didn't think he had the best game. I thought he got caught a number of times in midfield and give the ball away. You know, we can forgive him for that because he's been unfit and, you know, it was sort of a late call to play him. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, and this is not me having to go at Corbran. It would be interesting to see what would have happened if Gardner Hickman would have started. I think Gardner Hickman the game, the way it played out, might have lent itself more to it. someone like Garden Hickman with more energy. When you look at, there was a number of times in both halves where Sunderland, late on they flooded the midfield with the, 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 the substitutions that they made. But in the first half, they were nippy, they were quick, they were beating the likes of Malumbi and Yukushli to the ball. And on another day, you know, it, it shouldn't have happened, but on another day, one of them could have been sent off given the amount of sort of niggly fouls they made if you had a different referee with a different mindset. But, I'm just thinking maybe a Taylor Gardner Hickman with a bit more energy, you know, matching those those Sunderland youngsters um, for that that energy and getting around the park might have lent itself better. As we say, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and you know we can't change it now. But I just wanted to get your point of view on that, Coxie. Mm, yeah, I take I take your point, Johnny, and I I don't disagree entirely. However, I'd have started Kushley. You can't leave you can't leave him out yeah, if he's fit. How many you? Albion fans would have started him if if he was available and ready? Look, we don't know. Um, in terms of a, a fitness test, how he came through training the day before, how you know how close to 100% he'd have said he was, how close the coaching staff thought he was. Um, but listen, I think um, is it fair? I, I was I was just going to make the point. It's probably a debate that is he Albion's most influential player? Has he been this season? He's certainly been excellent. I remember speaking to a colleague just before he went down injured, actually saying, Lukusian, yeah, sorry, losing Yukushlu. Um, would have been game over really would have been an absolute nightmare so you bring you know and, and throughout his injury you know Carlos was speaking about every time he was speaking about we know his importance to the group he's he's so important you, you know all of this and he was obviously asked about going for him for instead of Gardner Hitman after the game but again he reiterated Yukushli's importance and I realised he played like he was what 60 70 75 percent fit 
However, I, I don't think he had a mare. I think he still did some okay things in the first yeah. half. It wasn't a glowing Albion performance otherwise, was it? They they um they had decent spells in the game. Um, but I, I think it would have been a brave... If they'd have found out Yukushlu was okay to play pre-game and then left him out, I think that's a brave call. And I think it's, you know, if you get to this old adage and, and, and cliche, you know, if that was a playoff final, would you have started him? You know, would he have been fit to start? And yes, of course he would. Well, that... While it wasn't quite anywhere, you know, it wasn't quite a playoff final, it, it carried similar significance, didn't it, really? You know, a, a win Sunday would have not all but guaranteed, but gone a hell of a long way for top six. So, you know, get him out there. I, th- I thought we'd only seen it out for maybe 65 minutes. So I was, I was a little bit surprised he played 80 odd. But, but I, I think, you know, it, it was it felt like such a big boost in the head of the game that he started. That was the big team news. You know, the players would have been lifted by that. Harsh on Gardner Hickman, yes. And maybe you could have got three in midfield, perhaps. But obviously, that would have that would have tinkered the shape all around, wouldn't it? And probably not the best time to do that. I'll take your point on Gardner Hickman in a busy. You know, Sunderland's midfield was very good when it, like you say, nippy, Johnny. Um, sort of youthful exuberance in that midfield they've got well throughout their team really and I think Gardner Hickman could have could have made a real impact in that game actually but you know that's that word hindsight isn't it probably um I, I don't think many among us would have would have left Albin star Turk out to be honest no no it's an inter- yeah it's an interesting point like you say hindsight is a wonderful thing but dogs just started grailing I think he, he he agrees that TGH probably should have started well okay, um... okay. <laughs> one of very quick five seconds on the midfield I still thought Malumbi was Albion's best player on the pitch yeah. so yeah, I don't yeah. think the midfield was totally um played and ran all over um Malumbi was still excellent uh but but Sunderland were better in most if not all departments yeah um another select this is not really a selection thing you know this is not even hindsight it was an impossible decision that wasn't available to make but Sunderland had a lot of injuries the other day. They had two really small centre-halves. Luko Nine played centre-half. And I don't think that Albion did enough to trouble them. If Corbran had his beast in Daryl DK available to him, it, I think it might have been a little bit of a different game. Because I think if you put DK up against those two, he could have potentially had a had a field day. As it happened, they had quite a comfortable afternoon, really. They, the Albion had chances, don't get me wrong. And they put them under pressure at times. But... That was that's another thing that you know another factor maybe in in the result and you know how things could have been different if DK was fit. I'm sure he would have absolutely bullied those two sort of centre halves that I think was you know I'm five foot eight or five foot nine. I think they're shorter than me. <laughs> yeah, as as physical matchups would have gone, Johnny. You had DK against 09. I think that would have been quite the spectacle. Um, you, you're right. You know, you, you're absolutely right. And yeah, regular listeners will know I'm, I'm a huge fan of Thomas Asante I think he's been excellent this season but it was um it was a disappointing afternoon for him to throw in one of his quarter Albion displays to be honest he, no no lack of effort I'm sure he's he's that type of player that always seems to always look like he's given his max but we were saying in the press box weren't we he didn't even seem to have that that sort of energy where you know he's always at it he's always harrying and hassling um we you know he's he's winning little 50-50s and beating a defender to a ball. We just didn't quite see it. And um, and don't get me wrong, the supply line to him was was precious little, really, other than brief spells in the game. But but you're right, you know, it, it wasn't coming off for Thomas Asante and there was that no second option, was there, in terms of the physical one with DK. And that, and that would have been, obviously, um, yeah, it would have been an unfair uh, matchup, wouldn't it, in, in 09's case. I mean, I'm a huge fan of of Luke 09 he can play anywhere can't he he's a he's a gem of a little player he did 
Um, did of course give away the penalty on John Swift. Did but bit soft that wasn't it to be honest not sure how much contact there was altogether but I think I'm going nuts about that even Albion fans oh. slagging off Swift I'm like I've seen softer penalties this season I've seen yeah. soft I've seen way softer penalties than that well nine well nine himself said he gave the ref a decision to make but I think Swift you know bought it and you know preempted the contact and that kind of thing but uh, so so oh nine wasn't wasn't flawless but uh, his mate next to him Dennis Serkin was almost flawless wasn't it in the opposition's box um, but it. you're right D, you know DK would have absolutely physically um or towered over and bullied those pair and you know could have well, could have would have should have isn't it it's 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 a real loss without that presence and and just the the big problem is it puts it all on Thomas Asante who you know he, he's not had many off days as he if you know many if any and uh, but this was one and we can't blame him for it because he's you know it's his first season up from the fourth tier and he's been great by and large but it was a shame for him to have a quiet one he wasn't alone I'm not digging him out you know just individually others weren't um weren't quite up to it either and and that's why Sunderland deserved their win really so it's interesting it's an interesting point you know on them them two so and a half but we're finally just going to finish off the Sunderland chat before going to your questions on this this short and baggy broadcast today by just I want to bring a bit of realism to the situation because you know a lot of fans have been sort of Disappointed, obviously disappointed and, and angry after Sunderland. But I thought, uh, one, we've we've already said it, Al, but I think Albion were beat by the better side. I think Sunderland were a better team. But I think we need to have a bit of, bit of realism about the situation. It's still in Albion's hands. There's three games to go. If Albion win all three games, they'll be in there. Yeah, OK, form. You know, as I've said, if you signed up to the Albion newsletter, I've said in my comment today, you know, on, on current form, would you back Albion to win three out of three? Probably not. But... The fact that Albion are in within touching distance of the playoffs with a game in hand and three to go, you know, yes, there has been a number of games where Albion should have won, you know, or they've been absolutely putrid. Birmingham, for example, they should, but then they should have gone and won at Hull. You know, Watford, there was an opportunity to win the game at Watford. That's just more, two more, of more, them. Yeah, more recently than that, Johnny. The, the, <clears> yeah, QPR. You know, you know Millwall as well. You you think that, that they might do do well at Millwall, but uh, at home to Millwall. But Rotherham, Rotherham, yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of bad displays, um, didn't deserve anything there, but bad displays. But I think an Albion fan tweeted me after the game in response and said, "We can't just accept the position." Yeah, we can't. And Al- should Albion be fighting for more than sixth place? Of course, they should, but. You've got to take into consideration the circumstances of the season and what Corbrand has picked up, you know. And I think I've mentioned this before, and it's a societal thing. People expect people never to make mistakes, and it doesn't happen. Managers aren't going to go through seasons without making mistakes. And as Corbrand made some mistakes, yeah, other players made some mistakes, absolutely. But given where we were, given where we are now, I think we can differentiate the disappointment of being 24th in the table when Corbrand finish that first game against Sheffield United from where we are now and where he's taken us to, you know? Yeah. And I think there just needs to be that, that realistic. Yeah. We're all worried about the future of the football club and we want to get in the playoffs and, and lot, but like someone said, you get in the playoffs, you've got no divine right. You're going to get promoted. Um, but I think we just need to have a bit of realism and, and say, if Albion do miss out narrowly, it's been, it's been a good turnaround. It hasn't been a good season. On the whole, because we'd expect to be in the playoffs, we'd expect to go and get challenged for automatic promotion. But you know, where we are, from where we were to where we are, I think you have to. It'd be silly not to 
accept that it's it's been a good turnaround. Interesting point that Johnny actually. You know, I said to someone the other day, we were having a conversation and winning Sunday. You know, it wasn't it wasn't promotion on the line, was it? It wasn't sneaking no. in second. It was a good chance of being in the top six, and then you have you have two legs against a rival who's probably in form. Well, not not necessarily, but you know, probably if it's third place. And uh, and and then Wembley, you know, it's a, it's a hell of a long way off. Of course, it gives you that shot, but um, it wasn't the the be all and end all, was it? In terms of sorry, in terms of guaranteeing um, promotion. So it was a, it was a funny old one. And and on that, you make a good wider point, really. I mean, going back to you know October that game against Sheffield, just after that, I suppose when Albion sink bottom. What what percent? What percent of Albion fans thought that promotion via the playoffs? Then... Well, a number of fans, a lot of fans saying we'll take mid table, we'll take forward in relegation. Yeah, yeah. At the time, I think, I think less than five percent would have would have said. Um, you know, would would have said it's a possibility to get promoted by the playoffs. That's what I would say. We'd lost hope in the squad, hadn't we? Pretty much full hope. I know the two of us said that. Mm. Um, we didn't know what Corbyn could do. Obviously, then it it played out, and yeah, unfortunately, it played out almost too quickly, didn't it? And the, the, the position Albin put themselves in on this flying run was was a great one, and we all kind of were guilty of thinking, well, it's it's done here, isn't it? Even if Albion don't continue this incredible run, which is unlikely, they're still going to win enough games here to to cement it. And it's just gone off. It's just, it's just fallen away too much, unfortunately. And uh, we, we spoke about that at length in, in previous pods about just the the strength of the squad and just you know below the below the 11, 12, 13. Just for me, not there. But um, I suppose, like you said at the top, it's still in their hands, Johnny. Um, yeah. Three wins, and what, what I would say, and I, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be a doom monger here. I really aren't, and I, 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 I'm not, you know, I'm not pessimistic. I'm, you know, generally the other way. Um, I, I, you know, I tweeted at full time. It's likely that, you know, playoff aspirations done, and and that was probably, you know, that that was probably too, too strong without truly studying the table, but. It just felt that much of a setback, to be honest. To me, at the time, it felt like a draw wasn't doing much. So when Sunderland went and won it, I thought, well, you know, that's that's a, re- a real hammer blow. But like you say, three wins, it, it, it gives Albion a good chance, but it doesn't guarantee anything, does it? Three three wins, really. And also, when, you know, again, not trying to be negative, but when was the last time, you know, this Albion squad group won three in a row? Well, the answer was the turn of the year, end of, end of end of December from Christmas into into obviously looting away mid-Jan. Um, and that, that was actually four in the league. But um, the, the squad's changed since then, hasn't it, fitness-wise? Um, you know, they've, they've done well to string two together at this stage. Do do we see, you know, we all want to be surprised and be wrong on this, but can they do it? I mean, I'd love them to make me eat my words and prove me wrong. I really, really would. Uh, but I'm just not sure I can see it. No. We'll have, to, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Right, time for an advert. Uh, Catlin Toastman is the sponsor for this podcast. As you all know by now, um, Catlin Toastman, based in Briley Hill, uh, sorry, Thorns Road in Briley Hill. Um, they have a range of products down there. They've got some great offers on, um, some great some great prices all of the time. So head along to catlintoastman.co.uk, have a look what they've got and get your hands on some goodies. Uh, right, time for questions. Uh, we've got 10 minutes left on this shortened podcast. We're going to throw some questions at, uh, at Coxie. 
Um, Happy B79. OK was getting pelters from some around me for a few misplaced passes. For me, even in the first half, he was still struggling with injury slash fitness and deserves a lot of credit for playing at all. Can he really be expected to now play Wednesday, Saturday? Uh, interesting, Coxie. I suppose that might be the, the number one. The number one question on your lips to, to ask Carlos. Yeah, I mean, what what are we, uh, yeah, the time of speaking, I'm, I'll be on the road in about an hour over to um, the training ground in Warsaw for, for the press conference. So looking forward to that. Obviously, we'll bring you um, any any up-to-date fitness news we get there. Um, uh, it's it's a very good question, actually. Yeah, I, I, we touched on it earlier, didn't we? Sunday being a be-all and end-all game and feeling like a massive one and getting him out there if you could. We don't know at this point how he's reacted to that. You know, he, he could have, you know, fitness-wise reacted negatively to it. And then you, should, you it's a struggle to get him out on a Wednesday night, is it? Quite quite possibly. But do you know what? I don't know about Saturday evening, but I'd start him again at Bramall Lane if I could. Don't know if you agree there, Johnny. I, I'd, I, I'd also like to see Gardner Hickman in the side. So I'm being a bit contradictive there, I suppose. However... I think if I had to make the call, I'd I'd try and get Yakushlu out there again. Yeah, it's a it's a big grand stage and occasion, isn't it? Tomorrow night, yeah, there's everything on the line for the hosts. Albion, well, they have to win, don't they? Realistically, they have to win. So, um, in my opinion, get your most influential players out there, even if you know Yakushlu is what 80 and he can only play an hour. Get him out there is is my opinion, and and maybe if it's not happening, be a bit more proactive in terms of Garden Hickman. Yeah. No, that's um, that's right. I think yeah, if he's fit, you, you, you're playing, don't you? Um, Alan Love, hi Johnny. Sunderland showed us on Sunday that the youngsters are capable of playing at this level. Is it time to give our most promising young players a chance to bolster the squad? Interesting question, Alan. Um, I think there's probably a difference between Sunderland and Albion. Their young players uh, have played considerable amount, a considerable amount of games in EFL, and yes, the only way of giving these players a chance is playing them. But I think. We might see Albion have to do that if they don't go up. So Albion could potentially be a Sunderland in a couple of years' time. Yeah, um, hopefully, don't go down. Hopefully, don't go down to League One like Sunderland did. But um, it's. I think they're different. They're different, aren't they? Some fan pointed out, and this is no slight on Mo Farrell because I think he did really well when he went on loan to uh, AFC File. But his last senior game before coming off the bench on Saturday was on Sunday was uh, was against Blythe's Barnes in the National North. Uh, so I think that shows a little bit of difference. But you look at Sunderland's youngsters, you know, even someone like Sir Patrick Roberts, who's relatively young still, come off the bench, ex-Celtic, ex-Man City. I think he come through at Man City. You know, experienced guys, experienced guys in that uh, that Sunderland have got in that midfield. And yeah, Albion well, probably got Albion. Albion will have players in their academy who who've probably got the potential to go on and do what these guys are doing. But it's just getting the chance. And next season. If circumstances present themselves, I think they might have that chance. I don't know what you think, Lewis. Well, you know, Sunderland's most dangerous attacker, Tiallo, on loan from United, you know, cost cost Man U up to forty million quid. It's it's a different example, isn't it? I mean, Jack Clark, the um, played wing back, didn't he, the other day? Uh, is the one that went from Leeds to Spurs, was it, or was it vice versa, Spurs to Leeds? Spurs um, to Leeds. Again, big big moves experience at the levels played the full season really and is a star for a, you know a, a decent Sunderland team it's not like these lads have just come up and played a handful of games at senior level out of the academy there I suppose they're of the Garden Hickman mould uh, many of them around Garden Hickman's age maybe made a breakthrough last season or the season before and are, are finding their feet however what of, of Garden Hickman's age 
coming through. Albion just have him, don't they, really? It's not like they yeah. have four, five, six. There, there is another you know, product line keeps going, yet perhaps the next ones are a bit, a bit young at the moment. I mean, we're talking fans fans like to see Cleary, don't they, who's injured. Um, he's just turned 19, I think. But, the, the, you know, we've seen Jamie Andrews on the bench. We've seen Joe Van Malcolm, but not to the point where they're, for want of a better word, trusted to start a game or deemed ready, you know, or, or good enough to start a game in the Championship. And Albion have had injury crises and they, they still haven't got to got to starting, have they? So, however, take the point that you made, Johnny, in, in the future, you know, if Albion don't go up, as looks likely, um, you know, the repercussions of that beyond the summer in terms of financials, in terms of those that might have to move on, in terms of what will make up could make up the squad next season. It, it could be a different picture, couldn't it? But I agree with you, Johnny, that Sunderland's a different case in points. What what did they have? Four seasons in League One, was it? So their finances obviously massively cut down there. Um, and they had to adjust otherwise. They had to, uh, Dan Neal that played in Sunderland midfield the other day, I, I, I remember him playing in League One as, as a teenager, having come through and catching the eye in League One. And perhaps when you're a bigger fish down there and you're, you're winning games regularly and all that, you can afford to do that. Because not that there's less pressure on you, but that you're the better team, you're a dominant team in games, and you can. It's an easier, I think, platform to bring youngsters through. Like, you know, for argument's sake, and you know, we all hope this never happens. But if Albion went down this season, you know, if the, the manager change didn't happen, and we're in League One next season. Garden Hickman would be a a mainstay star of the side in League One next season, wouldn't he? And that's not me calling him a League One player. That's just how clubs have to adjust when. Um, when things change, when the finances change, which they obviously would have. And Sunderland had that opportunity to nurture, didn't they? And sort of change their model. We all remember the tired, ageing Sunderland teams of years and years gone by, but they've totally changed now. And, um, you know, good for them. They've got a great manager for it. The, the second goal was brilliant. Dennis Serkin's a young lad as well. They've brought in. There's they're so many. Um, I agree with you, Johnny, that I think some Albion players in their 17, 18 have got the potential and can hopefully be there at 21-22, but we're way off that, aren't we? Although, you know, Caleb Taylor is a perfect name, isn't it? It, A perfect example of what could be next season. You know, he's been pulling up trees in League One this season, and he's that Garden Hickman example I just gave you there of if Albin had had gone down. Caleb Taylor's now had that full senior Football League season, and because of that, I'd expect him to be a very capable squad player for Albion next season, and you know, play well in the champ if and when he has to. Um, and that's how you nurture young players. That's that's how it's done. Obviously, they have to be good enough. Caleb Taylor's good enough, but that doesn't mean all the rest of them are going to be. Um, you know, Jamie Andrews had a National League loan this season. Mo Fall had a National League North. Jovan Malcolm, I think there was a bit of National League interest. It's it, Perhaps that might be their level, or perhaps they might kick on in, you know, further down the line. Some of these youngsters are out of contract in the summer. You know, Jamie Andrews, Rico Richards is another one we've seen from the bench, isn't he? Rico Richards, they're out of contract, so we yeah. we don't even know their we don't even know their short term futures. There's a lot of unanswered questions when it comes to young players, and and you have to see. But um, the, I suppose the bottom line is, if Albin don't go up, the finances could dictate that there are more young players involved next season. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, final two questions, uh, cheeky one here from Jess Ackrell. Does anyone know any Hollywood types who'd like to buy and invest in Albin? Um, 
Wrexham's well, Ra- Ra- Ryan Reynolds lives about 20 minutes from my house now, so I'm going to have a word with him, see if he's got any pals in uh, in Hollywood in Tinseltown that might uh, that might want to uh, invest. Yeah, if, Johnny's in. not a, if Johnny's not at Bramall Lane tomorrow, he's been arrested for harassing uh, <laughs> harassing Canadians in North Harassing, harassing Canadian actors for uh, investment in West Brom. Uh, final question, serious point. Uh, Richard Downing's got in touch. Interesting question. Has Ken Zuki returned from China yet? We need answers to the letter from Action for, that Action for Albion sent to our owner, Gouch and Lai. Um, just a bit of background for that, Ken. Um, sort of lies right-hand man, his eyes and ears in, in England. Uh, went over to China to talk to him about the, the mountain of issues. Um at Albion, um, and there was a response from that actually on Twitter from Action for Albion, who said uh, he arrived back in the UK um, yesterday, and they'll be looking yeah. into it. Um, and yeah. another Albion fan said he was in the ground actually for a yes. specific to something. Yeah, um, I, so I'm I, sure that's yeah. right. Is that something you're expecting to hear, Coxie? Hopefully, yeah. oh, I understand. Yeah, he was he was there at the game the other day um, by all accounts, and so so obviously we know that trip has happened and talks will have taken place you know it's yet yet to come to light how i suppose productive they were um we can we can all be hopeful and optimistic but it's you know i, I wouldn't blame albion fans for for wanting to be convinced on that front to be honest um it will be good to speak to the powers that be you know hopefully we get that chance with with ron Gourlay, chief executive soon you know be it just after the end of the season chance to ask him questions that obviously we need to we need to put to him um I, I won't hold my breath on having opportunities to speak you know speak to the likes of ken i don't know again i'd love to prove wrong but i'm, I'm not sure if that's something we would be able to do um but look we know action for albion you know s4a these support groups do great work and, and you know they've, they've, certainly action for albion have built you know recent months built up that comms with the club haven't they and i know that they had meet several meetings so not so sure where that's at, at the moment, but I'd imagine they'd want to continue that. And uh, and and yeah, we can only hope for we can only hope that positive news came from any of these meetings that happen. But look, I mean, what 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 do we want the outcome to be? At the, you know, what what do we do? We all suddenly expect five million, this five million loans gonna going to be returned because as as we touched on. You know, around the accounts or just before, certainly, Johnny. I, I think I don't want to say that ship sailed, but where's our belief or confidence that that's going to happen? I think that's you know that's you know has, has that come and gone now? Um, maybe I'll pro- be proved wrong and it'll drop into Albion's bank account for the summer transfer window. But you know, we're uh, we're at the situation, aren't we, where we get get to the summer and there's no no promotion, then we get to the end of you know it's end of parachute payments and you know, obviously, we all know about the MSD loan, and we all know what the accounts said about um, about the future. You know, being balanced on transferring players and income for for players going out the door. We yet to see or yet to have confirmed how that looks, what that looks like, what kind of players need to be moved on. We all know what's an ideal world of moving on, not needed players, but what are they going to generate? Are they going to generate enough that Albion need? How is Carlos Corbin going to be able to build a squad? I've got optimis- optimism on that, that last point because I think he'll use the, the free market well. I hope to see a very different loan um, tact- 
loan tactics next season. Uh, you know, the loan market just has not been used this season, has it? And I think that's been to Albion's detriment. You know, every time Cameron Archer scores a goal, it pains. And that's not just on Archer's front, but any 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 loan. And Albion should be near the top of the list, shouldn't they, for, for championship loans? Um, gone off on a tangent there, but, you know, you get the point. Um, with a lot of unanswered questions about, you know, how the summer looks financially and what, what the head coach will be able to do and how the club will be able to, you know, keep on a keep on a sound footing, I suppose. Yeah, thanks for your questions, Baggies fans. Uh, finally, um, just a little 30-second minute roundup. Sheffield United tomorrow night. Uh, big game, you all know that. Lewis, can you see any changes? Bartley came on for Peters um, on Sunday. If there was going to be changes, where where would you see them? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be averse to um, to starting Bartley, Johnny, if if he could. Just just that threat. You know, no, no slight on Peters. Uh, Ajayi's been better, hasn't he, recently? But I Bartley offers you something that I've been having had for well, without him in the team, have they? Um, it's a massive threat. I think I've read that Sheffield United are particularly good from set pieces. Um, obviously, they're off the back of their semi-final, FA Cup semi-final defeat, aren't they? But I'd, I wouldn't mind seeing Bartley involved. I don't know if he's fit enough to start. You know, something we can ask the head coach later. Um, I mean, that aside, Johnny, it's, it's slim pickings, isn't it? I hate to say it, but Carl and Grant, I think he's done okay. He did well at Blackpool, but a little bit quieter on Sunday, wasn't he? But, you know, what, what the alternative's all Brighton. I think Carl and Grant offers more, to be honest. And that's another example of the loan market not having worked, is it? I I don't think that I can see a world where Rogic starts over a Swift. Um, yeah, and that's not a glowing endorsement of Swift, who I think's done okay, pretty decent, but just more of a damning indictment of Rogic, really. Uh, I, I I don't know if I can see it. Garden Hickman's the only one, isn't it? As we discussed with you, Kushlu. Um I just I just don't see even Malumbi or Yukushlu dropped unless they're not fit enough to start for, for Garden Hickman. But we'll, we'll see, I suppose. But it's uh, it's slim pickings, isn't it? And and that's not just on the injury front. That points to the um, the backup players not, not having the, the impact they needed to. We'll have to wait and see who makes the line. There we go. Huge week ahead. Um, it's in their hands, though, remember. They can still do it if they do. I'm sure they won't do it the easy way, um, but we'll see. I know we'll know a lot more after yeah. tomorrow evening. Never, never, mind doom, never mind all the doom and gloom, it's still in their hands. <laughs> still in their hands. No matter how much Coxie's doom-mongering, don't listen to him, it's still in their hands. Uh, thanks again for listening, Baggies fans. Safe travels to Sheffield tomorrow evening. We'll be back on Thursday with a, a second episode this week of the Baggies broadcast. Uh, until then, thanks for listening. Boing, boing. Boing, boing.